0: Morel Inc. Offering commercial printing, direct mail, and promotional products. Morel Inc. is a union shop with 30 employees in Northeast Portland. To find out more online, visit morellinc.biz. Morel Inc. Inc. on anything. Mail anywhere. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Floating World Comics. Carrying comics, art books, international art magazines, graphic design, illustration, animation, music, and movie-related items. Floating World also publishes books, art newspapers, and comics. More information at floatingworldcomics.com. Welcome to another episode of the Magic Hour. In today's show, I will be talking with an old friend of mine. NDA, a painter and muralist, about his journeys as an artist and around the world. Later on in the show, we'll be talking with a playwright, Lauren Emery, about her first project that she's written and directed for the theater. So stay tuned for that. But right now, I'm really excited to welcome to the Magic Hour an old friend of mine, NDA, the muralist, the artist. He does larger than life. Uh, paintings, you can check out his work. And please do, please check this stuff out because you really, you have to get an a, a image of the size of this stuff. We're talking paintings that cover entire buildings. I'm not making this up. Go to ndastreetart.com. Check out his work because it's kind of mind-blowing to see the epic scale of it. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. And thanks oh, nice for having me. Um, I wanted to talk about like, you, you've traveled a lot, but you're a Portland boy born yeah. and raised, not um, born, but raised or not born. Yeah. So we go way back and yep. Portland's changed a lot. You packed it up and left for the East coast and I think 12 uh, years ago, 12 right, I was years trying ago. to figure it out. I think it's roughly 12 years. Like almost now. I don't know. If we can, can we still, I guess you weren't a Portland native, but I still think of you as like, you got deep Portland roots. You went yeah. to school here. All my family's like, still here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've, you've traveled with your art and you have projects up in London, Portugal, Norway, Mexico, and Tennessee. Tennessee. like that's in the mix. <laughs> yeah, that's no, it was great there. Am, am I leaving out any big, big countries that you... God, did you say Norway? Norway. Yeah, Norway, yeah, Italy, didn't... I was there for a So, bit. yeah, let's, let's walk me through that. What's your favorite? Out of this? <laughs> Dude, I don't know.
1: I, I was actually just talking to another buddy of mine who does what I do, and uh-huh. we were saying how we're just as thrilled to go to small towns, in so when you say Tennessee, it's like, yeah, it fits, but, you know, it's just in a small town outside of, uh, like, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, and to me, that's just as exciting as going to Italy, so a favorite, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, the experiences range that you might think you're going to have a great time somewhere and then, you know, either the curators have their heads up there, you know, their butts a little bit or or they don't have it all together some way or another and then you go to some tiny town and they treat you like royalty and they really mm-hmm. pull out the red carpet and yeah. everyone's super welcoming so it's situation to situation, you know what I mean? D-
0: describe for the listener what you do. You do large murals that uh, are often a lot of times your work I mean you also do kind of smaller stuff sometimes mm-hmm. but a lot of your work is really like we're talking one two three stories tall right yeah some of yeah. it can get pretty large the last one we just did uh, and it's out it's outside yep yeah, yeah I mean most of
1: it so I, I I'm not much of a studio artist although that just has happened mm-hmm. as a result of doing ironically I've got my my Gallery stuff going only as a result of doing
0: outdoor work. It never was an intention of mine to be a gallery artist. It just sort of happened a little bit. But, but like, how do you describe your work same. to to somebody? Like you're you're chatting with somebody on the street and you don't have like you can't show them pictures. I should try to always show people pictures. You but just try to <laughs> hang out in front of a painting yeah. that you've done. Oh,
1: this is what I do. Well, that's why the phone's so helpful because you just yeah. instead of trying to describe it. But let's try. Um, yeah, large scale uh, murals, and I also do sort of like uh, install street art stuff mm-hmm. where I'll. Take pieces that I work on in my studio and uh, get them to a point where I'm really comfortable with it, cut them out. It's usually very thin paper, and then I sort of treat it like outdoor wallpaper. And it's like wheat paste, is yeah. that what that's called? Yeah, so, so site specific. You kind of either make something for it, just a piece in mind, or you. Uh, you kind of walk around the neighborhood and you're like, oh, this one would fit perfectly in that archway. So it's kind and of the curating. That's on the illegal, fly. right? Oh yeah. yeah, that's why we're not using <laughs> real You
0: got okay, it. I get it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I keep wanting to say your real name. I know. Well, it's fine. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so when you got started doing like the wheat paste stuff, that's kind of a guerrilla activity. You yep. can go to jail for that because you're you're throwing. Um, images up in public yeah. and is that, that's kind of how you got what led you into that and was now the, for sure. the larger stuff is actually like people are asking you to, to come and do to a building what you started out doing illegally right, right? absolutely um, yeah I just saw that piece that you did of um, I was it like a barn and there's a cowboy? Yeah, that was, was really cool. Nice. It's, it's the front of a, a barn, I think. It was an old
1: dance hall, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, where was that? It's in an old mining town in uh, called Eureka, Nevada. Oh, cool. When I heard Eureka, I thought I was going to California. I was like, born in
0: Eureka, California. Really? Mm-hmm. Right on.
1: Yeah, my cousin lives there right now, so I thought I was going to go visit my cousin. He's like, yeah. oh, no, no, Eureka, Nevada. I was like, where the hell The is other Eureka? It? Yeah, yeah. 600
0: people. It's an old mining town. It's like the silhouette of this cowboy's um, and it, hat and face, and it's... How tall is that?
1: Uh, That's about three stories, I think. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that one was... It's kind of wild. We did that out in the middle of winter and not ideal. It's probably the worst time to awful. paint. I've gotten Are to the point where I say no to certain things. Really? they're Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, like, I don't have health insurance, so if I fall and break my leg yeah. and it's right when I'm supposed to be busy. And you're
0: up there on these crazy ladders.
1: Painting. Sometimes it's not the smartest. You know you know when it's stupid and you yeah. know when it's worth it to try for the extra push or just move the ladder over. But, you know, the ideal thing is you start asking for, you know, in the budgets, you start asking for lifts and mm. things like that. It's not a diva move if it's, like, your health is a... It, sure, yeah. You know, yeah. at risk. You just, I've heard some bad stories. I'm lucky. I've never had any, you know, knock on wood kind of thing. I've never yeah. had any real bad ones, but I've had some, some close. Where the ladder shifts. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, I was once on a. The worst one was I was on I was on the 1st I was on the first. I was on the second floor of a roof and then up another 50 feet from there and. On a ladder. On a ladder. And there 50 was... A
0: ladder. Yes. Yeah, so by the just, way, people, if you haven't climbed on a 50-foot
1: ladder, it ain't no joke. It's pretty... It's, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do it again is the point. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you're balanced on top of like a ledge or something? I was something? on... Well, it was just... I, was, I wasn't I was even on even ground. I was on a, on a roof. Up about 20 feet, so probably a total at the very top was like about
0: a 70 foot. We're using drop. like a lot of hand gestures here in the studio, so know, yeah. people have no very
1: idea. Very tall. Really tall. Yeah, yeah. and so, <laughs> and then to make matters worse, and it's gonna sound like I'm making this up, but there was a wasp nest about 10 feet above <laughs> that, and I almost had one of those cartoony moments where I yeah. squatted at one, so and the idea. ladder kind of huh? <laughs> just. A couple <laughs> inches too and I, my heart like went yeah. through my, oh yeah. my god! and I uh and uh and that was that moment where I was like, Oh yeah, you could definitely die doing this yeah. and it's it's not smart to not plan these things out properly. Yeah. I was thinking uh, one time I was helping a friend with one of his jobs and we were on a, a scissor lift and they had us all strapped in with all the stuff. I don't even know what that is. It's so uh, so you have some that are like a boom where it has an arm that gesticulates and then some just go straight up and down. Okay. So yeah, it's, um yeah. kind of like an accordion style up and down. It's wrong one of those. And they have these, you're attached to a harness that's attached to the lift and the idea being that you sort of bungee off of it if you fall. Mm-hmm. We got the wrong size bungees, so <laughs> if we had fallen, it would have been a complete... Did
0: you know that going into it? That these we are
1: found that are. out way after the fact. We were like, oh yeah, that was worthless. It's like a sense, it's that false sense of hope that totally. you're like, oh yeah, this is fine. No, it actually that, does nothing. That's kind of the idea of, of like tying yourself when you're out there. The more this stuff happens and like we can laugh
0: about it now, but it safety is super key on those things. Yeah. Like people don't realize that and actually oh, I it's was, a rare thing. The the thing that you do, this combination of like safe like you you could actually fall and break your legs. Or worse, you're doing no. yeah, or die. but you're doing visual art. You're a visual artist. Do you ever have moments where you're like, gosh, I I should have just gone into cartoons and you know, made like Gilbert, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't,
1: there was no intention of going into this. It happened, you know, on accident. So I can't,
0: it's hard to say like, you know, you're on the path you're on, I guess. But, yeah. uh, so I feel like I remember way back in the day, uh, hanging out with you on Alberta street. Sure. Back at the old, the pub oh, and man, we'd yeah. be chatting, you know, this was like a decade ago. Really? And I feel like, yeah, back then you were kind of more interested in like car- cartoon
1: work with no expectation of making a living off of it i think at that point yeah i wasn't very confident as an artist and i didn't have the idea in my mind that i was going to be one day not having a day job and and solely mm-hmm. doing this as a thing so it was easy enough to be that was my interest and it still is to some degree but um yeah i couldn't i'm sure there are plenty of people that have made that work for them but i couldn't seem to make that work in yeah. terms of and then, how do you get paid for that and you
0: then know? you kind of just stumbled into this
1: like yeah, i really, really did just put my stuff up outside it was one friend the guy actually when i was just in nevada he uh eric burke he he had moved to new york a little after me and was had already always been kind of into the graffiti scene but he started putting up work like this and we would get together i met him i can't remember, like seven years ago i want to say eight. you know yeah. maybe nine something like that and uh and uh Shortly after that, we started to sort of getting... So, so
0: you moved to New York, and you were living in New York for a while, and now you're mm-hmm. based out of Philly. Right. And I feel like there's the, a, a whole scene of artists that are doing these murals, these larger than life outdoor things. It's gotten... Things.
1: Yeah, it's become much more popular, I think, in the last decade, uh, which I'm glad for, mm-hmm. you know. I mean,
0: Portland has some of that, but I feel like it's it's really kind of bigger in some of these other places.
1: I think it's ballooning out and becoming... Uh, like, we're the fact that I was doing a project... Out in a small town, in yeah. Nevada that is sort of proof that it's become a more viable thing. I think you know you've got the sort of uh, what was it the 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 WPA is that the the work uh, the the Roosevelt, uh initiative to I'm the, probably getting the building the, uh, the dams. That... Yeah, and then all those murals came from that. So we had that era of, uh, okay. of being a viable artistic source uh for of income. But uh, yeah, it's coming back around, and it's it's definitely in vogue right now. So yeah that's allowed me to work in this. But like I said, I didn't, I started doing stuff at my friend's apartment and putting work up. If I'm being honest, late at night, kind of drunkenly with <laughs> no thought to uh, a future in it. Yeah. You're
0: just thinking like, how do I do this and not get
1: arrested? Hey, totally. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I got you ever have any close calls with like a cop. I've been arrested <laughs> twice. <Okay>. And then <laughs> that's plenty that's of other call. ones that are, you know, <laughs> a, you know, a few others that like really close. When, and, when you got
0: arrested, did it feel like the cop was like, kind of pissed that you were doing this or did it feel more like like I'm sorry but I gotta haul you in the first time they were they were saying it was
1: a such an odd experience I was with one other friend we're both tiny guys and we're out in public doing this work in the daytime and, uh, <laughs> and you know, we're talking with people on the street who all seem very positive about it. And we're like, Oh, this is safe. You know, like everyone's enjoying this. No need to like, hurry off. Audience yeah. well, you know, like no one was like you horrible punk kids. Everyone right. was
0: really into you guys, it. You guys are just out there like, like tagging. No, that. right.
1: I mean, you know, taggers would say that it's kind of, uh, they get the, 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 they get the negative aspect of it. and We uh-huh. get all the positive uh-huh. recognition, but yeah, I, that's a totally different argument but uh but at the time it felt super positive and super like safe space kind of spot and we uh we just stuck around longer than we should have and before <laughs> we knew it there was one cop in and then there was another <laughs> cop in and then you know there were two nerdy artists here
0: kind of like admiring your work
1: yeah and <laughs> chatting with people about it and just being way too lost <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> you know the cops start to pile up
1: yeah and then there were eight cops there and uh yeah, and i would have left at one i think yeah well i mean at one point one's gear. enough that's the whole point you know what i mean like we're not going anywhere i'm not running from any uh-huh. cops you know what i mean yeah. and so. But they were all being really positive. Like, oh, we like the stuff. We still have to take you to jail. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> we
0: like the stuff. We like it. It is illegal. Have to take you to jail. I mean, but the argument is well, Yeah, they like, don't say that when they pull you over and give you a ticket. Right. I really like the way you go in 80. <laughs> that reckless driving <laughs> through multiple lanes. Ew, spot what have, on. What have you been drinking? Right, seems right, really interesting. So both times
1: it's like, I don't think they look at it as a serious crime, but it's yeah. sort of, and especially in New York, excuse me, in New York, I feel like. It's a, it's a very ticket-heavy culture. So I mean, it is. Yeah. It just is, and that's kind of partially why I left, among other reasons. But uh, they're just out. It's like to, a little easier to get away with it in Philly. Oh my God! So much easier. Yeah. It's it's been, it's been like kind of a, a, a boot, like it's given me a second wind. I was about, kind of ready to quit. What honestly. about Portland?
0: Because a lot of our listeners here in Portland, you know, what would you uh, say know. about like wheat paste. Activities. I see it
1: around yeah.
0: uh, a little bit. I yeah. don't
1: think it's as I see a lot more tagging and stickers here. I think mm-hmm. that's maybe a little more where it's going. I mean, there are the murals coming in again, so who knows? I think you're probably going to get more of that. It doesn't seem like it's super big. Someone mm-hmm. can correct you. I mean, mm-hmm. or correct me on that, but uh,
0: it doesn't feel like a yeah, yeah. Like a well, what sick. do you have any advice to you know to the kids at home <laughs> that are thinking thinking about maybe trying this? How how I'm not condoning it, but let's say you do. How do you get away with it? Like, how do you get away with putting up art in public space and uh, not going, not spending <laughs> time in the in the slammer in the old who's gal for
1: it? Uh, right. Yeah. So um, it's case to case kind of thing. Uh-huh. I feel like um, the thing I've come to realize, especially with smaller cities, not New York's got uh, way too many police in there looking for it. And they know <laughs> what to look for. I maybe would think that Portland might be a little less so. Uh-huh. But um, if you look like you're doing something illegal people treated as suspects. So, so do like,
0: put on a black hoodie. and.
1: St- don't go out in the middle of the night and yeah. look like a criminal. You know what I mean? Like for me, I, I've i gotten away with murder with just one of those worker vests in the uh-huh. middle of the day because, you know, I don't look that assuming and I'm not rushing off. I'm trying to look as though, oh, everything like belongs there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what happened to me is at first I was so nervous we'd be doing it late at night and I'd be super jittery about mm-hmm. it. And as you go on, you sort of realize, A, it's not that like big of a deal you look like
0: somebody should arrest you right? <laughs> right
1: exactly yeah and it's not that big of a deal and I've also sort of flipped it around where I don't actually feel like what I'm doing is a problem mm-hmm. I, I feel fine about my place in all this thing and so coming from that standpoint um, you know I don't I don't feel bad about it anymore. I don't feel guilty. So I go into it with kind of a clear conscious. I mean, yeah, there's always the option of getting arrested and having problems with that, you know, repercussions from that. But my conscious is kind of clean going into it now. I feel very uh, level-headed yeah. about it. Like I don't... I used to like, get very shaky while I was doing stuff. That's all kind of gone. So I, I feel like getting arrested isn't that great of a thing, but it's not the worst thing that's ever happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. As
0: long as you could kind of just keep it a misdemeanor. What about yeah, what about when you're traveling? Like, I would imagine, like, getting arrested in Mexico or Portugal or London would feel very different than, like, being arrested in your hometown.
1: You I'd know? imagine so, too. I've never had that, uh, I've never had it happen. And my experience is in most other countries that aren't the U.S., people have a way more lax attitude towards mm-hmm. this, like, putting stuff up in Norway... Cops don't care the way they care here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just the fact of it is not. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it's not really. it Doesn't feel as criminal. Like I did a lot of illegal work in Portugal, broad daylight. Portugal's
0: got some amazing murals. Oh my, so my god! god I was so Lisbon nice. In Lisbon last year. It's great, right? Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful culture. Beautiful place. And the murals are out of this world. Like everywhere, you can you can go on um, on walking tours, mm-hmm. and they'll guide you. Uh, just in like a mile or two of like kind of the main um, cultural area and there's just amazing mural work all over the place and there's one there's even one specific I'm not going to remember the name of it but there's one specific um, parking garage that just has like level after level of of, of murals and I think you know the city like brought in a bunch of different artists and it's really cool because like each you know, it's like a six-story um, parking garage, and each level has like just the work of one muralist is like decked out that entire. That's cool, yeah. You know, and it is, and you kind of you start at the top and walk down, and you you are just walking in such a crazy different space with each level. It's really neat, um, but yeah, it does seem like they've just kind of embraced it. I think it's a smarter more.
1: move too because yeah. you end up getting a lot more great art, and it and then and it actually boost your kind of cultural capital mm-hmm. a little bit. Like when I we were in Mexico, most of the work we did was legal and then every once in a while we'd paint something illegally. And the worst that would happen is sort of like the local police would show up, just more curious than anything else. And then it becomes kind of condoned and then you're there out in the middle of like what starts a sort of illegal activity is as long as you're respectful and you're not, it's not just all about you, but mm-hmm. you're about making work for a space. They have a long history of that stuff and I don't yeah. think it's, it, people look at art a very different way and I
0: I found most of that to be met with positivity. You are listening to The Magic Hour. I'm your host, Anthony Alvarado. And we are in the studio today with the street artist NDA. Check out his work at www.ndastreetart.com. And we've been talking about the legality of NDA's work. Um, He's been arrested a couple of times. He's also traveled the world and been... um, done the work legally and so it's kind of it seems like maybe there was a transition period where maybe you started out kind of illegal and then transitioned to to uh, it being recognized as hey this is art this is cool let this guy do his thing right um it's a fine line i guess you know if you if you're not known for what
1: you do then it's it's Vandalism, and if you're somehow a thing,
0: yeah. then it's, it becomes like a new permissible. I guess. Do you remember the um, the moment where you felt like you kind of had crossed the line of being like, I'm just like, you know, running around at night, getting arrested, doing my art, to like being like, oh my gosh, you know, people appreciate this, I can maybe make a living doing this? Like, was there kind of like a, a sign or a moment where you felt that switch happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, I started feeling like. Almost right away within the first year, some sort of recognition of, like, oh, we want to put you in shows because of
0: the stuff that's happening on the street. So immediately there was. I'm, I'm always curious, like, how do you put a guy in a show when his stuff is, like, you know, on the side of a building? You know? Yeah, it's kind of weird.
1: I mean, I, I feel like sometimes it deadens it a little bit. Is that what you mean? Like, Or just the like the practicality of...
0: Um, I mean, of, is it weird like, an having a foot, a foot in both worlds where you're yes. doing street art and then you're also like, but this gallery's interested in representing my art. Well, know? I think I mentioned
1: it at the beginning. I never went into this with any intention of being a gallery artist, and that's only become a uh, thing that's happened recently as a byproduct of the outdoor work. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of starting to feel comfortable with it. I had a, my first solo show a year ago i believe and that was the first time where i felt like i was really comfortable with it as much as so as the outdoor work but it's tricky because you you you're now all of a sudden you're saying here's something that i've done for free for a while Mm -hmm. and i want to put it in this completely sterile environment usually Mm -hmm. and then charge money for it you know so so yeah that's been kind of tricky and i don't think going forward it's the avenue i want to pursue fully but i still end up getting sucked stuff. into gallery stuff yeah. every year i do a few shows i've got two or three this year that awesome yeah it's fun but it certainly wasn't what i intended you know yeah
0: well that's, and that's something that i like me and you have talked about before just hanging out over over drinks is like you know you with your art me with uh, my writing career is that there's kind of this hustle of, like, at what point am I ready to quit my day job and just go full-time doing the thing that I'm passionate about, you know? I think any artist... Oh, sorry, go Oh, Well, yeah, I was just wondering what that... As with that uh, development has been like for you because I know for me like I've definitely had some ups and downs with it oh yeah and like just recently I was like oh man I think I you know I need a side job and I've gone back to like doing delivery driving Thai food and, and there's
1: I, no shame that I was a Thai food delivery guy on a bicycle yeah. in Brooklyn so I mean you know <laughs> well, no,
0: there's no shame but there is a part of my myself that was like Felt very disappointed when I started doing the delivery yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. a while back because I was like, I thought I'd made it. I thought I'd broken free of having to do the day job, and now here I am slinging Thai food. Well, you know, good to know that I'm. Mean, <laughs> I
1: think maybe that's one of those like, uh, you know, Bukowski was a postman. You know, uh, maybe now, right. You know, or a the I, Thai food delivery man is the. Yeah, is the I just read that.
0: recently that Philip Glass, after he wrote his um, opera, um, I almost said Seinfeld on the Beach." Einstein on, <laughs> Einstein on the beach, <laughs> uh-huh. which is like kind of one of his. You know big masterworks he it cost him so much to produce the play that he had to like go back to driving cab
1: and that's probably yeah. one of how many thousands of stories like that yeah. like i don't feel that bad because you hear right. these things it's not a straight line it's steps forward and backwards right. and you know it's it, and you have to do what you have to do i mean if you don't come from money you gotta survive right. and that's just the, the thing i i've been really lucky that i maybe about four years ago now i quit all I I had these like incremental steps where it was no more customer service because I was turning mm-hmm. me into the grumpy barista. Yeah, yeah, that, customer service. It's hard, man. It's rough. It, I don't like the people way... people don't tip anymore. I, mean, I think I don't know it's what's this, going on. I think it's all the um the apps that people yeah you know
0: kind of That's get, the they, thing, The yeah. thing I'm doing right now is like a if it's thing. on an app, you're going to get worse Not tips than to, yeah, like a face to face tip. It's just yes. how it is. I mean, hey, by the way, listeners, <laughs> you can go go to my <laughs> website right now if you enjoy the show. You want to help us keeping. The magic hour happening on a regular basis. Check out my patron page. Throw me a buck or two. Give the man some money. Yeah, give the guy because because a lot of the Thai food people don't tip. So you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Is uh, there's a certain point if you're not, you know, you
1: you love this and you have a passion for it, but you know, you you have to put money. You got to put food on the table. You know, yeah. That, and there's that balance,
0: you know, that you have to strike where it, it can be tricky because you're like. You know, maybe your art, whether you know, for you it's visual arts. For me, it's uh, it's more writing and this podcasting stuff. But you reach a point where you're like, I I feel like I'm getting some traction. But do I step away from you know being the barista or the waiter or whatever? And when do you? How do you know when to do that? It's really tricky. Like you were saying though, it doesn't have to be. You know, I was thinking it's like once you cross that finish line or whatever, you 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 you're free forever. But that's not necessarily true. There can be some.
1: And I I also think that the the other thing that people need to know about the sort of the freelance art world Mm -hmm. is that uh, it's when you're getting started, it's really not that glamorous. So if I were to give any tip about it, it's like, be prepared to be broke and be okay with that, you know, Mm -hmm. cut down on your expenses because it's not that glamorous. Every once in a while, I make good money, but it's, you know, I I made more money a decade ago than I do now. And that's a fact, you know, and it's, it's not, um, I'm not. Ashamed of that at all, but you know it it goes up and it goes down, and sometimes I'm flush and sometimes I'm broke, and that's that's freelance work for mm-hmm. me, you know. And maybe someday I'll have to get another Thai delivery job thing. I'm I, you know I'm not ruling it out. I I, I also want to say something about the uh, the difference between like quote unquote hobbyist and uh, and professionals. Uh-huh. You know, I really feel like uh, people put some sort of stigma on if you were just getting paid for your work. If and, you're not
0: getting by totally on your work, yeah, it's like you're not.
1: You're it's not, not as big of a thing. I think that's BS because there's plenty of artists that I know that have a day job and they're making way more art than I am and they're way more proficient at their process. They have their hours that they work on something else for somebody else yeah. and they have their so hours for the thing. It's weird.
0: Sometimes when you have that day job it kind of forces you Motivates to really each. be on when you have the time. You know, Maybe you know you just got like four hours at yep. night to do your thing I have
1: a lot of aimless days where it's like wow if you really break down the amount of work yeah. there's like a half an hour of productivity in that day or something the, You know,
0: the year after I sold my book DIY Magic and with the advance from that I was actually able to not work a day job for about a, comfortable. about a year <laughs> I got lazy yeah I mean it, it happens like, you gotta really self I'm waiting for inspiration
1: today Yeah, yep. well and, it didn't come I uh, guess I'll just take a you know, it's true. hard if you come from working right, right. class stuff too, and then all of a sudden you're like, this is my job. Sometimes just waiting for inspiration is my job.
0: <laughs> waiting for inspiration is baloney. That is baloney, don't, you're right? Don't wait for it. Just, good point. just do it. Just start. I mean, you know. we're giving it, like, the kids some yeah. good advice oh, yeah. right now. Yeah, don't no, wait no, for you're inspiration. Right. It's true. With, as a freelance person, you realize, like, you start out thinking, like, I'm just going to do this thing that I love, I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about making. Are, and that's all i need to worry about but then once uh, unless you were born you know to a wealthy family you're you realize like you also have to be a business person absolutely that's been I, the hardest part for that me, is honestly. really
1: rough to yeah. I'm getting better at it like the oh god the words even just like branding myself you <laughs> know <what laughs> I mean, like it sucks but <laughs> oh, it w- sucks you know it's yeah it's we're horrible. Not, i think most artists have to do that you know yeah. they're not businessmen or, or women and then you you, you don't you don't Start it with all that like it Comes naturally at all, but yeah. you know, you also get to a certain point where, like, I could be getting paid more for this, and that job actually I made four dollars an hour. Like, you get a couple of those where you get burned really yeah. bad, and you learn to be a better businessman because yeah. it's self-preservation.
0: Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's been called like selling out. Oh, you know, it's like, man, come on. <laughs> people are saying, people are about selling out. What are they even talking about? Is, I think the people that talk about that have never tried to make a living as, that's exactly as a it. creative person. That's exactly it. No, absolutely. And if that's your idea, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, I'm just going to take the million dollars. You have the money
1: where you have the luxury. You don't have to make corporate work. Right. Or you've just never had to do it as your only job. I mean, I've done, that's, here's the reality of me being a freelance artist. The only way I'm able to do it Are through the corporate gigs. All Mm -hmm. the other stuff, if I added it all together, is a fraction of one of those corporate gigs. Right. It's that whole thing like I
0: feel like... So like you did uh, was it it was a music festival, I remember. I was doing a little work for Bonnaroo. Yeah, so that's kind of like, that's a big corporate gig. It's a big big corporate gig.
1: That was my big, that was actually when I first got that job, I started as something in Brooklyn for the same company. And uh, it was my first really big artistic gig where I was hiring artists to do part of it. And I realized if I get one or two of those So, so you're kind of like
0: helping select the other.
1: No, no, I mean, I was, it was my job and I could have taken it all on myself, but it was like way too big and a short enough, too short of a time. And so I was actually hiring artistic friends of mine, you know, sign painters and all these things to, to handle part of it. I had to rent a studio space. It was really, it was a lot really fast. And that job in and of itself wouldn't have been enough for me to just out and out quit. But I realized if I got one or two of those each year, mm-hmm. two probably, mm-hmm. something like that, everything else, could you know happen or not happen and like fluctuate, but I could I could start quitting yeah. regular jobs. Yeah, and, so
0: and I, yeah, and you're able to uh, to help or work with some other some colleagues of yours, which is um, an interesting thing to absolutely. me about the the muralist world. Is I feel like there's a lot of you guys yeah. that kind of you maybe. Uh, you know, you respect each other's work, you, you work together, you also do a lot of collaborations. Talk a little bit about that. I feel sure. like there's this culture, this interesting, like, kind of, what's, well, um, camaraderie. Yeah, to, well, to uh, the style of art that you do. I think that,
1: like, inherently in the thing, there's a lot of, traveling and a lot of internationalism that happens yeah. with it. So you get especially when I was living in New York and started, there would just be people coming from all over the world to do some work in Brooklyn. yeah you know, when, I
0: was, when I when I went and hung out with you on the East Coast uh a while back, I was really and we and we met some of your friends, um those Italian guys Oh
1: yeah, so I was doing that mural with that
0: Italian guy. Yeah. Uh, Ianna.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I hope i'm saying that right. Ianna Cruz. Cruz, yeah, um, yeah. great. I dude. was just really and that whole group of people i was really struck by how international it was like there's people from israel there's people from mexico there's people from all over the place all like coming together and like sharing this artistry and this craft i thought that was really a really neat thing
1: yeah if, if there's been one positive side effect of this that i didn't anticipate is that i feel like i have a global community that i didn't have when i was doing work on comics, you know, in my parents' basement when right. I was a kid or whatever. Like, that was the complete opposite of that. And now I feel like uh, I'm so blessed that these people now, I could, I really feel like I could probably travel to most places in the world. And, you know, within a couple of Facebook messages to a few people, I could probably There's have a like place a to stay out there. and a wall to paint. And, you know, it's, it really feels like that. And it's only gotten better as I, as I've been traveling more, you know, you travel and it's like, Go into europe a little bit that opens up all the kind of you know people that didn't know you in that section and they all of a sudden you're like oh if i were
0: to keep hopping around here i'd have i'd yeah. be set up or whatever and it, that's huge where's, you know where's really um like a spot that's really got it going on as far as street art right now if you hmm. were to pick like one city globally that you think uh people can like this is where to pay attention mexico
1: city is really wonderful just because mm-hmm. it's so ingrained in the whole history of the town a little bit you know um, muralism in general but I think street art like you know the sort of the DIY practice of it Mm -hmm. is there as well and I'd say that's a good spot Um, I mean even smaller cities in the US to some degree like I really don't know like Philadelphia had all the murals the mural arts program there is huge and I don't know what I think of all that work but it has definitely started a conversation that has allowed for like a broader sort of commissioned and non-commissioned uh, work to kind of pop up. You're listening to KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. We're
0: talking today on the Magic Hour with NDA. He is a street artist, he does murals um, and you can check his work out at www.ndastreetart.com. He's also a uh Portland, you, you were Portland based for a long time. That's how I know you is, is you yep. used to be Portland based. Then you now you live in Philadelphia, but you, you travel around and, you, and do these different projects. Um, coming back to Portland as you do once in a while, uh, what what's your perspective on uh, maybe the art scene in Portland? Maybe mm-hmm. just you know let's let's just talk about Portland in general as somebody who you know you were you went to high school around here. Yep, Grand you know, High. <laughs> Um, and now you know you come back, you know, a couple times a year. And Portland's gentrified so much; so much has changed. Um, to to my mind, in the past uh, few years, there's yeah, like really a, awesome. a, a person involved in, you know, in the creative scene. I and mean, what do you see as like kind of as somebody who's who's been uh, away from Portland? You just kind of like see moments of it, like once or twice a year. Does it look different to you? Oh my god,
1: yeah. Every time I come back, something is you know, cropped up. I mean, you know, the thing is that conversation about gentrification is happening everywhere. Yeah, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not, not just Portland. It's not just Portland, but the you could make the argument that this was sort of ground zero for, like, maybe a conversation that started happening. I mean, it's happening in Philly, but just not at the same rate, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... To me, I really love this town for lots of reasons. I mean, I've got great friends and family that are here. There's lots of excuses to come back. It's not a hard sell. Do you ever think about coming back? But I don't, that's what I was going to get to, is I don't think I could move back here and have the same quality of life as a working artist. Mm -hmm. I, maybe I'm wrong because I've been out of touch with this town for over a decade. So I can't really tell you what the working artist scene is. But, it, but it'd be harder to do what you do here. Bro, I think it would absolutely be harder. Of rent or rent seems to be going up. Um, also, I have the benefit of being on the East Coast, close to New York and a lot of other cities. So traveling between cities to work is very easy. Totally. Um, I don't know what I would be. I know there's a little bit of stuff going on in Seattle, and I could probably get down to San Francisco and LA. And yeah, there 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 are places, but you know, I'm I'm I got a foothold on the East Coast right now, and I don't here. I don't, and I even moving from. New York to New Jersey to to Philadelphia, every time you resettle it's like kind of starting over again. This year's been slower than it was three years ago to some degree for me because I'm not a Philly native or anything and I have to re... I gotta get my audience back you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm, I'm willing to to take that big of a step backwards right now and, and try here. So
0: your advice to Portland young Portland artists would be to
1: leave? <laughs> no, I don't want to be so negative about it. I'm sure that there's markets that I'm not aware of here yeah. that people are really finding their, their niche in niches. I don't know how you do that. But um, it's Nietzsche. Oh yeah, oh, obviously yeah. That's the <laughs> plural of that. Yeah. Nietzsche.
0: Nietzsche.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is here. So speaking on that, I don't want to presume anything one way or the other, but um, it, it doesn't seem logical for me. My mom always keeps, every time I come home, she says, when are you moving back? I'm like, I yeah. don't know that I can at this point, you know? Because it would just change what you're able to do. I think I'd, I'd have to go back to getting that Thai delivery job again <laughs> yeah, and, right. uh, and maybe work way They're less. Hiring.
0: I'm sure they are. Until automation. Until they, <laughs> they learn they program cars to just Right. And that's not a joke. They're gonna program cars oh, no, no, to show up yeah, with your yeah, Thai sure. food. They're, well, gonna they're gonna program robots wanna, to make the Thai food. They're gonna eventually figure out how to paint giant billboards on walls mm-hmm. that you know that'll eventually look like, you know, large skins that what I do. So I'm gonna figure out. I'm, I'm I'm gonna learn how to code and I'm gonna um, program computers to do the programming and then everybody will be out of a job and then we'll have to just everybody will get, get to
1: go back to uh, yeah, Hunter Gather. Co- yeah Hunter gather
0: sure it'll be a lot like Skynet with, um, I do
1: feel but yeah, the one thing that's a positive about what I do is I know I just
0: sort of joked about that. Uh, yeah, no, robots. the The last thing that somebody's working on right now is, is to making pottery. We're yeah, yeah. a robot to climb up onto a side of a building. Yeah, for real. And make a, a cowboy head.
1: And maybe I'm a little naive, but I'd like to think too that people still appreciate that there's a hand in their artwork. You know what I mean? That they they understand that this is human-made. Yeah, and done by specific humans. You know what I mean? I I don't know that that were at any risk of specific nothing. robots
0: right
1: <laughs> interesting you know, who knows that's like maybe for like 200 years down, in, down the line or something yeah
0: well yeah if we're still around <laughs> jeez uh, well uh, <laughs> um yeah so um we, we've been talking with NDA about street art do you see an evolution uh, in the history of street art and do you see it going anywhere in particular or, or is it evolving towards anything like what, are there some new trends that you've been noticing it's become super mainstream and that's good and
1: bad I uh-huh. mean just, just from an economics for a while it
0: was kind of an underground thing sure
1: yeah and now I think it's become the hot trendy new art form. Is that banksy's fault the banksy do probably that? had a lot to do with it sure yeah. you know and people like that but um I think that's there's a lot of different things that lend to that you know I'm not I think the thing will eventually, it's like any art form, it's a pendulum. It's hip right now, it won't be hip. Mm-hmm. What will really matter is like such an. it's such a, it's not a new art form in any way, but it's... It feels
0: it's new. though. It does
1: feel new. Right. Yeah. Like what this iteration people, of it is... People rediscovered it maybe. Yeah. And so what people calling street art, which mm-hmm. I think is that, that terminology is 20 years old maybe or whatever you want to say. What do say. you call it? Oh, no, man. I don't know, man. Art, you know, just painting. I, that's the problem with that thing is when you yeah. start labeling it yeah. like that, it, you know, what does that even mean? It dilutes the whole thing. But I, you know, like I put my website, it's NDA Street Art because I want, it's again, it's that marketing thing. You want to mm-hmm. make sure people know what to find and what to look for and you don't want to confuse it. But, um, I think that what will happen in the future, this is just my, is that eventually it'll kind of come out of vogue, but people won't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And so when the pendulum swings the other way, yeah. then it'll sort of like, the, the week gets separated from the chat a little bit, and you're going right. to have uh, higher quality. Right now it's overexposed, and people are like, I, you know, I don't want to see any more bad stencils of like... Hot girls with gas masks, or like people with machine guns <laughs> doing something stupid, or like a dog's head on a person's body. You know, there's these very specific kind of like tropes
0: that Wait, are. There's like there's somebody listening to this right now sketching. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, stop it.
1: <laughs> you know, seriously though, I mean like there's certain things that are getting really lame like, really
0: fast, and, yeah. and and we you know they in order for it to I be taken mean, seriously, you I'll, need like like street art and giant murals never really bum me out, even if like. There's some murals here in Portland that I think kind of suck. Yeah, but they don't. I don't. I don't get bummed out by them. I'm just like, oh yeah, the, the way they painted. You know that lady's torso is weird. Like, right. like the you know the.
1: Like, See, maybe we're coming at it from different perspectives because if you saw some bad writing, well, no, no, weird. But
0: like, I mean, what I'm saying is that for some reason. I mean, it's almost like any art is better than just, like, that blank wall
1: So Well, that's that argument, and I don't... Honestly, maybe I, I'm going to be negative here, but I don't yeah. know that that's true all the time. Like, I've made things personally where I'm like, I screwed up, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably not going to myself by saying this, but, like, I screwed up. Yeah. I didn't hit right here. Right. People are unhappy with this, which has happened before, <laughs> and maybe that blank wall would have been better. So, a, yeah.
0: we're oversaturating is what I'm saying. It's like, it's, a, got, it's like a tattoo, but it's giant, really <sighs> yeah. public. And, I mean,
1: sometimes they get covered up. I've had pieces where people, like, in Brooklyn, and we're like, oh, we're so bummed up that got covered up and I'm like, yes, thank God. That was the worst, you know? And yeah. I mean, you just, its but then again, it's its all perspective. So what I hate, somebody else is that's their favorite piece I've ever done and you know, you you do it and then you hope you're not failing on too huge of a level but you are, you are experimenting in a public space and you have to be wary of that yeah. and some people don't seem to care about that. It's all about their ego and I'm mm-hmm. trying at least to make an effort to be conscious of the space I'm making the work in. Right. You know? It doesn't always happen, but... Yeah. Well,
0: that So we talked about screw-ups. Let's, let's end on a positive <laughs> Yeah, please. <clears throat> so what's something, uh, maybe a piece that you've done uh, recently that you felt really positive about, like, that you felt like, okay, I pulled off what I came into this trying to do, and it, and it you know, it came together. Um, well, or, oh. you know, is there an... A, a way to recognize when when you're like you feel like you're hitting it, you know, hitting the nail on the head.
1: I think you know when a town that you're working in is positive about it. And even if people like for example, I did this mural recently in, in Norway and they're so polite that you're like, I can't tell if you legitimately like this or you're just too nice <laughs> to tell me it sucks. I don't know. I don't know. But, but you know, generally speaking in smaller areas, it's a smaller sounding board. Like if I do something in Brooklyn, it's lost in the the noise of the thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have as as much of a one-to-one with the people you're working with because it's really abstract. There's 40 murals on that block or something and, you know, what you did maybe was less relevant. But the one we just did in Eureka, Nevada, I really felt like the two pieces we made there, one of them was my friend's and I was assisting him. The other was my project,
0: that large silhouette of the cowboy. Yeah, I love that one. It's
1: simple. It's not like... I, I'm not...
0: I like the way it interacts with the windows. Yeah. The, building, the point
1: was to sort of do two things. To talk about a local person you know, and, and sort of big up the town a little bit mm-hmm. and also not negate the pre the existing architecture in the space like that's actually celebrating what was there this history the patina the, the the tin and so to me that felt like success i mean you know like i said it's it's back and forth but you know when you're doing good because people will tell you it sucks or they'll tell you it doesn't and i felt like that one was met with a decent amount of uh Enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm going to leave, and I'm going to get some email at some point that's going to prove otherwise. But I don't, I don't think know, so. I don't you know, think one hundred percent. You know what I mean? It's like it, there's always critics, and yeah. you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Otherwise, stop doing public work. <laughs> you know? Awesome. Well, thanks for
0: being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Oh, really a fun time, man. It's good to see you again. I'm glad we got to catch up in this context. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Stick around for our next segment. We're going to be talking with Lauren Emery about her experience producing, writing, and directing a one-act play. Welcome back to the Magic Hour. I'm your host, Anthony Alvarado, and I am here in the studios of the Falcon Arts Building talking to Lauren Emery, who is a playwright. She is putting on a play called The Rusty Will at the Fertile Ground Festival, and that's going to be in January, later in January, um, the 19th through the 20-something.
2: The festival goes from the 20th to the 29th, I believe, and And the readings will be the the nights of uh, the 22nd and the 29th.
0: So we're talking with Lauren about her experience as a playwright and directing this one act, and it's your first um, project that you've written and directed, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to kind of get into that because I think that, you know, so many times when people get on the radio or they're doing an interview, a lot of times it's more established artists. And I mm-hmm. thought it'd be really interesting to talk to somebody who's doing their very first.
2: I think of a you call her in her book, in her new memoir said that she really admires people who um, do stuff before they're ready yeah <laughs> and so i've been thinking a lot about that because i'm totally not ready and, yeah but um might, uh admire
0: that <laughs> david bowie said i remember in an interview with david bowie he said that you always the guiding light in his career was that he always tried to make sure that he was just he, was, he compared it to swimming mm-hmm. he always wanted to be in the part of the lake or the river where he was swimming in—that was just beyond where his feet could touch—and yeah. that's how he knew he was going in the right direction. It was yeah. always something just out of reach,
2: Total, a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. That so, way you're learning something.
0: Mm-hmm. You're pushing yourself. So did it, did it feel like? Because you have a, a background, you've done some acting.
2: A little bit of acting. Uh-huh. Yeah. I grew up in, in a really theater-centric family in a really theater-centric town, and so I've always done a little bit of acting and a little bit of writing.
0: And uh, did, yeah. did you see yourself, doing the acting, did you see yourself preparing to do um, some theater writing and directing at some point down the road, or was it just kind of all of a sudden like, oh my I, gosh, I was, got this idea?
2: Yeah, it yeah. was really sudden, I wrote this thing, and I um, I wrote this thing, and then I was like, it was like I was like, it was like a fever, like mm-hmm. I was like, I have to get this out out there, when I first read it yeah. <laughs> when i when I was working on it i mean i'm still it's still kind of under construction always i mean we're even in, in rehearsals it's not hundred uh, percent finished mm-hmm. um but when I had the idea down and and I was fleshing it out i the initial feeling was I really want to get this out out there and so i um I wrote a bunch of emails and i and i I found out about the Fertile Ground Festival, mm-hmm. um, and I found out about this group, PDX Playwrights, um, started going to their readings. They hit, they meet uh, every couple weeks uh, at the Armory downtown and read people's plays, and uh, I found out that they are putting on these readings, and I kind of, just like uh, Miriam Vader who runs it. I just emailed her a bunch, and I like wouldn't leave her alone until she let me put my play in the festival. So you started
0: pitching the idea for her to have your play in the festival even before it was done.
2: Um, well, I thought it was done, <laughs> and then we had we had a reading of it at PBX PDX Playwrights one, one meeting, and I l- learned some valuable <laughs> things about uh, about rewriting. Yeah, when and you when
0: you hear people perform something, because I've done a yeah. little bit of writing for theater too and it changes when you see people um read the words out loud really? and the stuff that you thought oh that that works in your head and then you actually uh-huh. have actors yeah read it was the kind lines
2: of crushing. It, was, oh, <laughs> it was tough and then after that i was like uh-oh because yeah. i had already uh put <laughs> like i had already like Signed up for it. Uh-huh. And they're like, I had to like win them over. Um, they're super nice people. They're uh-huh. not hard to win over. They're like super great. <laughs> but I had, I, I mean, they didn't know me. and... Yeah. So you had
0: to put yourself and I, out there, and be like, come on. Yeah. Dude, and I was like, take my my play on. <laughs> and then once. And
2: then, and then we did this reading, and it was, you know, I had I cut it down substantially. It was really long. It was kind of had some complicated How long was like it? Elements. Um. Uh, maybe like an hour. Yeah. It's really long. That's a long for, one act. Yeah, yeah. It's long for for a one act and it's long for this for the festival and mm-hmm. how PDX Playwrights does theirs. They always do really bare bones staged reading mm-hmm. at Hip Bone Studio. Um, with very little tech and you know, just like lights up, lights down and, and it's it's an emphasis on plays that are in development. Yeah. And it's really just getting an audience in front of your work. And engaging reactions and stuff. So, it's very low pressure and mm-hmm. it's good for emerging artists. Mm-hmm. The whole festival is really good for emerging artists and, and people who are just starting out, first timers. Yeah. But But uh, PDX Playwrights is especially good because they they just they're a wonderful community um, and they're really curious and really willing to listen and help.
0: Yeah, and that's something about there's something about theater that is just very accessible. Um, my experience with, with both acting and some writing and directing has been oh my gosh, you don't need all this equipment you don't need um, mm-hmm. you know a huge budget Like I, I was in a play, I was in a version of The Cherry Orchard that a friend of mine put <laughs> yeah. on in his backyard mm-hmm. and just he got all of his friends to, to act in it mm-hmm. and we literally uh, performed the whole play in his backyard like on his deck and had like an audience
2: yeah.
0: and uh, it was just a really wonderful experience to see that you can make um, a piece of theater that can be completely grassroots and um, low-budget and kind yeah. of guerrilla art.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So, um, yeah, And while we're on the subject, I want to direct people to check out more information on the Fertile Ground Festival. Yeah. You can find out more at the fertilegroundpdx.org. And so there's a bunch of readings. Uh, Lauren Emery's piece, The Rusty Wheel, is going to be part of what's called the four by three which is an evening of stage readings there's also a lot of other stuff going on Mm -hmm. um at that festival i think there's dance there's comedy there's Mm -hmm. circus stuff um so you know check it out there's a whole bunch of different options um going on i was interested to see that there's there's circus stuff going on there too because that's not something that uh that i've seen a whole lot of in portland yeah but um yeah that that should be fun, and um i I think that's all the information that for people that want to check it yeah. out. I was wondering if you had any advice to to young playwrights to so people so just a few months ago, you hadn't written uh for the theater specifically well, and actually I, had it performed.
2: Well, I've been working on this for kind of uh since this summer mm-hmm. i I was working on it through the summer, I kept putting it away. And I just figured it would just be something that I wrote that I would just keep in my computer. This uh-huh. <laughs> were yeah, a lot of yeah.
0: This uh, a lot of drafts and, and I stories. Just, I mean, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just writing this for the computer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just. This, is, this goes in a little folder, and I, you know, it's it's nice oh, yeah. to work out some of some you know psychological things or whatever I'm feeling uh, in through writing. Uh-huh. But. Um,
0: yeah, I wonder how many um, pages of, like, novels have I begun. And
2: I'm, then, like, scared to open
0: a whole lot. <laughs> <one. laughs> yeah, oh, me too. You open stuff from, like, several years ago, and yeah. a lot of times it's just crushingly yeah.
2: bad. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but part of that is
0: because you're growing as a writer, and yeah. so you look back at what you were doing totally. several years ago, and you just see, all you see is the mistakes and how you do it differently. Yeah. Um, so that's good, actually. When you look at your old work and, and it stinks, yeah. I think that's a good thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I agree. This one I thought was just faded to be, you know, like that. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Then it sounds like once you actually put it out there so that you had a place that you were going to perform it, that kind of made it so you had to take it to the next level and and actually finish it. It adds
2: pressure. I have this email in my drafts box to (laughs) the PDX playwright to, to, to Miriam Fader who, the person
0: who greenlit who, green yeah, the project who
2: greenlit it who let uh-huh. me in took me under her wing uh-huh. and and Brad I'm going to butcher his last name Bull Chunos, Brad Bolchunos those are the two other playwrights for this evening of stage reading Um, I wrote this email like thank you so much for your time <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have to back out but I never sent it
0: because I just kept so you had the whole email ready to quit yeah, just there on yeah. the on your computer. So
2: many times I felt like I, <laughs> I would have to back out, but I kept getting. I kept the thing that made me want to keep going was um, my anger at uh, and my bewilderment at
0: the whole Donald Trump thing. Oh, really?
2: Because
0: because that so that happened. Trump's election happened while you were working on this.
2: Yes, it yeah. was during it, when I started the play, uh, and and. Maybe I should say a little bit about the play. The content, it's, it deals with sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and being, uh, being somebody who is, has to deal with that at work.
0: And so you were at the point of, like, I'm going to throw in the towel on this project, it's just right. too tough, and then Trump wins the election, and that yeah, actually... Yeah,
2: well, all of, during it, he was, like, gaining momentum, mm-hmm. and then, like, the bus tape came out, and that that was the big right. thing when yeah. I was like, okay, I have, to, I have to find some way to...
0: Yeah, <laughs> and this isn't necessarily a play change. that's where, like, Trump's a character, and it's not no. about Trump, <laughs> no, but that's really, him. it's interesting to hear you say that his election actually compelled you to finish this work of art that you'd already started. I think that so we've been talking about the Trump election a lot on this show for the past few episodes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the things that you know, I just get so sick about of talking about politics. I yeah. want this to be a show about ideas it's a and creativity. Real it's such a bummer, but you know, doing whatever it is that you do, that people do as an artist, as a creator, as a writer, Mm -hmm. as an actor, as a musician, whatever it is that you do, if you give up um, because I mean, I I think that the Trump election has been like a huge, yeah, a huge bummer. It's been been like a uh, let the wind out of the sails of like, (laughs) you know, the, the cultural national zeitgeist. So I think that I like that your response to that was to say, I'm going to push harder to do this thing, to create this thing that I believe in. Yeah. And even to use it, you know, to use it as inspiration to finish something. Yeah, I guess, I
2: mean, that's pretty morbid. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that idea that, like, oh everything's terrible but oh the art's great like I think that that makes me feel weird but yeah
0: um yeah because then it's just like well we can retreat into our fantasy world of art
2: yeah yeah and it feels kind of like irresponsible but also
0: I feel like we can't let that you know I'm I'm, I'm trying not to swear because that's just more work but yeah we can't (laughs) let that take away life and yeah Yeah, I don't. I don't even think I can finish that thought without swearing and creating more more work on the back end for Gene to
2: edit out. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: um, Yeah.
2: I knew if we started talking about Trump,
0: (laughs) we need a live swear button right here. A
2: swear jar. Yeah. It. It. It wasn't like, uh, oh, I have to. I. I have to keep writing this play because I have something to say about Trump. It's more like I have something to say about like the the culture that has like allowed Trump creating, to, yeah, to to, to Trump. win. Yeah, just kind yeah. of like the the water that we're swimming in. Um yeah,
0: the the Trump stuff that is it's not just that. It's not just about Trump, but it's about the water, the cultural right. um, norms and ideas that create, yeah. uh, or that allow Trump to happen. Yeah. And I think that art always kind of speaks to that and can totally. can get at the water in ways that maybe like a you know a Harper's political essay can't.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm not I I've never been really good at talking about politics or like um, I don't even feel like I can properly. Express my bewilderment my mm-hmm. um, my uh, state of of just sheer panic <laughs> <laughs> about Trump, but I can express uh i what I can do is I can kind of tell this story, uh, which I think is like trump the election of trump is like is kind of this story in a way mm-hmm. like it's um I feel like the Trump election was kind of a slap in the face to a lot of women, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a retelling, it was kind of like a re, uh, them, them. a lot of women just saw what happens every day in their lives, but on this really grand scale, you know, like a uh, somebody who is, you know, who's tormented you, and women in general, gets the job. Someone who's yeah. like way less qualified than you yeah. gets the
0: job. So, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, just the the wearing of the different hats, you know, the writing, the directing. Do you have a favorite? Do you prefer one or the other? Could you imagine writing oh. a piece and then having somebody else direct it or directing somebody oh. else's piece? Um,
2: um, I, well, this is my first one, and I couldn't imagine having somebody else direct it. So um, like, I'm but gonna I, do it all. I have a feeling that gets easier as Mm -hmm. you go, that might be something that you know years from now hopefully uh, if i'm still doing something like this then maybe it it would be uh easier to kind of let that go it seems like there would be like a lot of letting go Mm -hmm. you know because these are your words and you want them Uh, yeah i do feel like you want them to be delivered the first
0: the the first few projects that you take on there's this real attachment you kind of want to control everything and I, I yeah. wonder if that you yeah. know if that, that goes away or not
2: I, um, I thankfully I don't have to be a big control freak because I found some these really awesome actors that just seem to really get it mm-hmm. like however I feel about the the quality of this play and my writing I can say that I like these actors are great and I'm really excited to see uh, how they read it they're mm-hmm. just um they 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 read the play and they came in and from the very first day they just like got it. There's yeah. nothing that I have to be like, oh, you're saying that wrong, or yeah, you know. we've tried a bunch of different things, but they seem to have the uh, the idea pretty much down. <laughs>
0: we've been talking with Lauren Emery about her one act, The Rusty Will. That's going to be at Fertile Ground Festival in January twenty second and twenty ninth at Hipbone Studios. So check that out, and. You've been listening to The Magic Hour. I'm your host, Anthony Alvarado. And I wanted to say thank you to X-Ray Studios. Thank you to Gene Forte of Blue Heron Studios for helping us record this episode. Also, um, you can donate now to my patron page if you go to my website, www.anthonyalvarado.net. Help us keep this show on the air on a regular basis by kicking us a buck or two. Thanks for listening to the magic hour. It's never a bad trip.